Ninety four point three WRHD HD one Farmville Greenville, your exclusive pirate sports station. Ninety point three, the game. Do you live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 943thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Alright, welcome in to today's program. It is Tuesday, May 16th, the edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Of course, got a big baseball game coming up later today. ECU takes on Campbell in a top 15 matchup. We talked some football with former ECU coach Steve Logan yesterday, but today we're talking some pirate basketball. Coach Mike Schwartz is in studio. Coach, how's it going? It's going great, Stephen, and you know, I want to say first, congratulations. This is this is absolutely fantastic, man. You've always done such an awesome job uh, in this community, and, and I just think that this show and this whole experience is, is, is great. So congratulations. Well, I appreciate that, Coach. You've been uh, awesome to work with thus far. I know it's just your – you just wrapped up your first year, but do you feel like you're – you know where everything is now. I mean, you're one year in and a really good year, which we'll get into on the court, but do you feel like you're starting to settle in Greenville, North Carolina? Yeah, no, absolutely. I started to uh, – don't have to put on the maps when I'm driving around anymore. That probably was about halfway through, so even getting back to our own house. But, uh, yeah, absolutely, really, really, family is loving it here and feel like we're just getting very acclimated to the community and, and learning. And I'm hopeful even this summer, last summer, it's such a whirlwind, uh, spring and summer, you don't even get to explore a little bit even throughout the town. And then the season comes and you don't get to do that. And then even, and I know we'll talk about the spring and everything that comes with the spring after the season, but I think... I think now for the first time this this two or three week period leading into summer and this summer I think we're going to get a chance to really uh, even get to know Greenville better but it was fantastic in the first year and obviously we got a lot to talk about with off season additions the year that was we are on uh, we are live on YouTube Facebook if anybody has any questions drop them there we'll get to them for coach we also got someone hoist the colors on Twitter so we'll get to that but let's talk about uh, first off this off season it's just crazy we were talking about it off the air before we started just college sports man the the portal NIL has just changed everything in, in every sport and at every institution. So, what has this this off season been like? Your first, you know, true off season coming off a year. You had to build your team last year, but you know, trying to keep your guys, trying to add some pieces. What, what has it been like these last few months? Yeah, you know, and, and I will start off by saying this because there's so much different varying opinions on everything going on, everything, and really, it's all positive. The NIL is a huge positive, and all the things that the student athletes are able to take advantage of, it's a huge positive, and it, it's really long coming. The the more the issue that I think has caused, whether it's basketball, football, or any sport. It's the implementation of the NIL plus the play right away, all of those things with probably regulations that nobody really understands very well, and all of that coming together so quickly. I said this to you last year, and I even feel this tenfold right now. The game in the last two years, college basketball, has changed more than the 20 years combined previously. Because of those two things, because of NIL and instant eligibility. But with that being said, um, really didn't, wasn't able to predict. Last year at this time, Stephen, I didn't know what it would feel like right now. Uh, just because it was such a different feel with coming in. We had guys we were trying to retain from the previous coaching staff. 
Some guys had left before we even got here, and we were recruiting. And it was recruiting and a retention of a small group of guys that wanted to stay, which I'm so indebted to that group of six guys, and we've talked about that. This spring felt a lot different. From the minute that Houston game ended, between recruiting, retention, what did it look like with the portal, what did it look like, what were rosters, what did it, was it going to feel like up until May 11th? Uh, yeah, I think it was different. It was different for everyone across the country, but being our first time going through it here, I uh, definitely will be more prepared and at least be knowing what to, we're getting into at the end of next season. We'll talk about some of the newcomers y'all have added. Uh, I want to talk about the guys that are returning that you, you probably had to recruit just as hard, if not harder. Um, you know, I was hearing Ezra Osar, you know, some teams maybe were trying to tamper with him, but he ends up staying through the portal deadline. And um, first off, when you got through the portal deadline, which I believe was what, May 11th? It was uh, last Thursday yeah. evening, 11.59. Was, could you at least breathe a sigh of relief a little bit? Yeah, I, I think it took me one more night of restless sleep, to be honest with you, because uh, that morning, I think uh, something in the middle of the night, I woke up and I said to talk to myself. So, but no, no, it ended last night. Right. It ended at eleven fifty nine. You can you can stay asleep for a little bit, but no, obviously, you know what? And it's so much more than that. And I think everyone gets caught up with this. Hey, it's normal that people are going to be leaving, and that's not what we want here. And it's never the vibe that was with our team. What were there certain things going on potentially? And and you know, in terms of you know, you alluded to Ezra or maybe other situations, but it's really. That was never the focus of our coaching staff and never the focus of our players. We openly spoke about it because when when it hit with Javon kind of out of left field right after the season ended, it kind of now was out there. So no one was ducking it. We, we were able to talk about it. And But that being said, it's still a very unique feeling that you're waiting for this 11.59 midnight time to say, okay, we know what the roster is going to look like next year. And that's the biggest thing, Stephen, just to know what is the roster going to look like. as we. It's hard to plan for summer what we're going to do in a few weeks if you're not sure what exactly roster is going to look like. You may not have a guy that you have at that moment, or you may have one or two new guys, because even though the portal closes, recruiting is still wide, wide open, right. as you know. And uh, we talked about the guys returning, or are going to talk about the guys returning. I think, obviously, Javon Small moving on. He made that decision not going to Oklahoma State. But you look at the, I think it's the next seven of eight leading scores, or maybe six of seven. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. But really good core returning with multiple years of eligibility remaining. Just when you look at that group, you know, Ezra Saar, R.J. Felton, Quentin DeBunje, you know, Ben Baela, uh, Jaden Walker, Brandon Johnson. you got to be pretty thrilled with just that, that group coming back. Yeah. I couldn't be more excited. So fired up and, and of that returning group. And, again, this goes back to that core group of guys last year, R.J. Felton, Brandon Johnson being two of those guys that are coming back in terms of guys that stayed from the previous staff. And, obviously, Luigi and Dave Kasanga and I, and then you had Winston Tabs and you had Javon Small. But to, to have that group of guys coming back, uh, the guys that were here for their first year and the returners in terms of R.J. and Brandon, and coming going into next season, plus what we've added, really, really excited. And you know, when you can say you return five starters, and you lost statistically, you know, on January 11th when Javon went down, statistically he was leading our team, and he was obviously our starting point guard. And we went on to win the majority of our conference games after that, and we still returned that whole group. Yeah, I mean. 
there's so much in front of us. There's such a long way to go, and we've talked about this before. But from uh, being excited and optimistic, looking at what we have coming in on June 4th in terms of the team, yeah, re- really looking forward to this group. Visit with ECU men's basketball coach Mike Schwartz, and uh, let's talk about Ezra. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago, and he said uh, he had shoulder surgery, which I didn't even realize. He played the whole year with basically a torn labrum that he said affected his shot. So I know he's rehabbing through that. Uh, how much do you think getting back to having a healthy shoulder will help him? And then what's, what's the next step for Ezra? Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, it definitely was something that he was dealing with for most of the season, and it impacted him. We give him so much credit in terms of the toughness, uh, the physical toughness, the mental toughness that he showed. Uh, he didn't miss practice. I mean, now that he put it out there about what happened in the surgery and, and, and having to go through that, you know, you could look back and say, well, I wonder, did he just play in the games? Was he limited? in practice and that was not the case at all uh Ezra probably missed more practices for something different whether it was being under the weather or something like that maybe and I can't remember off the top of my head but I do know he didn't miss any practices because of his shoulder and that's a testament to him and the toughness that he showed and the resiliency he had um so yeah he's going through rehab I think it's going to be very beneficial for him this summer when he gets back in June he'll still be on the tail end of the rehab and then he'll really be able to pick up and be full swing come July but he'll be able to do things with the mobility and shooting in June as we build up to that and that will honestly lead to where we think he'll have the most uh, improvement in his game going into next year and even if his shoulder wasn't hurt there would still need to be vast improvement on his perimeter game and shooting the basketball that was something he wanted coming out of high school it just wasn't able to really take its full course this first year because of that shoulder and I think we will see I think there's a couple things you'll see an improved perimeter game in terms of shooting the basketball I think you'll see a continued improvement handling the basketball we always knew Ezra could handle the ball but decision-making as you go from your freshman year to your sophomore year, passing the ball, just the fundamental of passing the ball. Not only the decision part, but being able to execute that pass. Uh, So I think that's going to be a big area. And then, believe it or not, as well as Ezra finished, particularly in the second half of conference play around the basket, when his shoulder is, is, you know, hopefully perfectly healthy and strong, I think it's going to help his finishing above the rim and his ability because of range of motion and where his shoulder can be as he's shooting the basketball around the basket because that's never easy for, you know, in, in that physical contact in there. I know you guys are hoping even for more growth from R.J. Felton, Brandon Johnson as well, who were two cornerstones last year. And, you know, we mentioned Jaden Walker, who now has the ability to play on the point, off the point, you know, maybe even the forward if you guys go small. So, when you look at that group and kind of the versatility it brings, uh, I guess what gives you the most comfort there with kind of that group of, of guys who have now played quite a bit of college basketball who are going to help lead your group? Yeah, you said the, the word versatility is huge. I mean, think about it. Jaden Walker ended the year as our starting point guard. He started the season as our starting foreman. Uh, R.J. Felton ended the season as our starting two, and he was our starting four for a different part of the season when we were playing a little bit more of a small ball lineup. Um but really, when I think of those three guys that you just talked about, one I think about R.J. Felton, just the heart and soul of this team on in so many different areas. What he does as a player on offense, what he does as a player on defense, what he does statistically, the stuff that doesn't get measured just in terms of physicality, resiliency, heart, and you know tenacity, all those things that he brings, and then. You know, by the way, he's just the most incredible teammate and locker room guy, and he holds that locker room together. So just so excited about 
RJ and his improvement, not only physically that he's going to have, and he will be able even to play more of that natural position at the two more this year because I think we've increased whether it be size, whether it be experience in the front court. So he may not have to slide up towards that. He actually started to play the point guard late in the season, so that was big for him. So, But then the leadership of what you said, somebody that coming off a of freshman year didn't play quite as much, obviously didn't have the statistical impact that he had this past year, and now what he's going to be in terms of the experience and leadership part, I think it's going to go to another level. And then Brandon and, and Jaden, the same thing. You know, last year when we got here, we knew we were going to be young. And we said that we're going to be young. We knew we were going to be young and inexperienced. The goal in year one was to put ourselves in a position to still be young, but with great experience. And I think at least from that perspective that we checked that box, that we were able to gain great experience return a vast majority of it, but we're still young, as you alluded to, because Brandon, Jaden, RJ, all juniors, Ezra, a sophomore, Quentin DeBunge, a junior, Ben Baella, a junior, even the incoming guys, juniors, Cam Hayes will be a junior, Bobby Pettiford junior, uh, junior will be a junior, and then you added a couple freshmen, uh, three freshmen that will obviously be freshmen. So the experience piece is big, Stephen. We've talked about since your arrival, you you know, everybody makes such a big deal about the portal and, you know, for maybe for good reason because at, at sometimes you can get a guy from the portal and he's kind of – he can't really transfer out if he's going to be a uh, second-time transfer unless he's a grad. But you really still want to hone in on high school recruiting. That's a big part of your backbone, much like with Mike Houston on the football side and other coaches, ECU Cliff Galvin's the same way. So one year in, do you still feel good about that plan and, you know, basically how you can build your program that way? Yeah. Definitely feel good about the plan. Definitely feel very confident and and just strong about us wanting to stay down that path. But I'm not going to lie to you. We did learn and we have been able, our eyes have been opened a little bit to say, okay, when you do recruit a freshman, there are some real, there's some real pieces that you have to dive into and vet to make sure that it's the right freshman for a number of reasons. Everyone thinks it's only because, well, if you don't play, maybe you transfer. Well, it's also what we know and we've seen it across the country. You play and you do more than expected. And now the portal becomes something that you have, you know, have to deal with. So looking at uh, uh, incoming freshmen, looking at their desire to be developed, their desire to say, you know what, this is where I want to be. I want to graduate from ECU or I want to be here. This is where I want to be until I have an opportunity to maybe become a professional or take the next step. Those are things you have to vet a little bit sooner now as opposed to in the past. It, well, that didn't come up in the conversation nearly as much. Hey, what's it, uh, Matt, what's it going to be like if you don't play this year? If you don't see it, do you see a one- or two-year plan for yourself? Or vice versa, if you do something that you don't expect and you're an all-conference player, you know, you can have those conversations on the front end now. But as far as philosophy and wanting to build a program versus just a year-to-year team, not changing that at all. We just we are going to utilize the portal. We have. And we're going to be smart about the high school players that come in that we know they want to be here as much as we want them here. We're busy with Mike Schwartz. Let's get our first break in. Uh, we'll get into some of the questions we've got on social media. We'll also talk about the newcomers that have been added this offseason. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Hey, what's happening, man? What's happening? 
Welcome back into the program. Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We've got Mike Schwartz, ECU men's basketball coach, in studio. Uh, we're going to talk about the newcomers. I want to ask you first, Coach, a question from Christian online. He wants to know if Coach Schwartz is going to be at the baseball game tonight, and if so, I'm going to be in the stands tonight. I guess he's going to cheer on, cheer on the Pirates with you. I don't know if you got anything going on or not. We have already talked about it in, in the household. We will be at the baseball game tonight. That is, yes, last, last home game of the year. Uh, barring anything that we get in the postseason, which would be fantastic again to continue that run. But we will be there. I think uh, Pirate Nation knows I'm an avid baseball fan, Coach Godwin. I love baseball, and, and we've been to games here recently, but we'll be at the last one tonight. Awesome. So check out Coach Schwartz. I see you roaming the concourse quite a bit uh, with all your assistants, so it's fun to see you out there. Well, you know, uh, honestly, if it was up to me, I'd have my mitt waiting to right. catch a foul ball. You know, that's uh, my kids kind of get upset at me when I bring the mitt. They tell me that you can't do that anymore. I said, no, sure you can. I, I want to foul ball. You're never too old to take the miss to the game. You can do it. Um, but let's get into some of these newcomers, guys. We'll, we'll start with the freshmen, um, or the, the transfers, excuse me, then we'll go to the freshmen. So Bobby Pettiford and Cam Hayes, the, the two transfer guards. We'll start with Bobby Pettiford coming from Kansas, and, and I remember ECU recruited him originally hard out of high school, but obviously your staff getting him back to North Carolina. Just take us through the recruiting process and what you see from Bobby Pettiford coming from Kansas. Well, number one, just so excited about Bobby and his family, uh, you know, from the Durham area, North Carolina, uh, high school player. And I think, Stephen, you know just how strong we feel as a coaching staff about wanting to recruit this state, particularly the eastern part of this state, but just this state as a whole in terms of building this program with North Carolina kids and families. Um, you know, Bobby, when we lost Javon, we knew, you know, get, you know, signing a point guard and going and get an experienced point guard was really paramount for us. We wanted to go do that. And, um, you know, it just, Bobby went in, in the portal and our coaching staff did an incredible job of just getting on it right away. And he became priority number one right from the minute that we made contact with him. Um, Bobby is an incredible person. He's a natural leader. He's a natural point guard. The experience that he has had uh, for Coach Self at Kansas, and he's won a national championship. He played a good amount this year, and he played as a freshman, albeit like most freshmen. You know, there's many freshmen out there that played a lot less than he did as a freshman on the national championship team at Kansas. And his sophomore year he played, and we just feel very fortunate that we're going to be able to have a point guard here with great experience, great talent, uh, unbelievable teammate. He's already started to connect with not only incoming guys after he signed in terms of Cam Hayes and talking with him. and wanting, That's what great players do, Stephen. They want to bring other great players. And we have RJ does that with our team. Brandon does that. Ezra does that within our team. And when Bobby came on board, he made it clear right away, that's what we want to do. We want to build something special here. And as a point guard, he knows he wants to try and surround with other great players. And it didn't matter if it was another guard like Cam Hayes, who is not necessary. It, it's not about is he the same position or not. He knew Cam Hayes is a great teammate and a great player, another North Carolina kid from the Greensboro area, and he was excited and he was very, uh, he was very active in trying to help him come here. I remember talking to Bobby after he committed, and one of the first things he said was, you know, we're not done. And basically he was trying to recruit for you guys. And, you know, Bobby, his shooting percentages weren't outstanding at Kansas, but he kind of told me he feels like if he gets his confidence back, he can shoot it 
you know, at that high clip. Do y'all believe that as well, along with his, you know, ability to get downhill and, and drive? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, when I say that, it's, it's, it, it's a very fragile thing when you think about confidence and shooting percentages and things like that. I mean, the smallest thing can alter. I'll give you an example. Brandon Johnson is shooting over 40%. R.J. Felton is shooting nearly 40% for most of non-conference play and even the beginning of conference play. Season ends, Brandon's around 34%. I think R.J. was 33% from three, somewhere in that range, 33 to 34%. But something as simple as Javon Small going out, a guard that did a great job getting guys shots and getting them open looks, missing one extra shot per game or having to take one late shot clock shot because the ball's in your hand as opposed to being in Javon's hand, can alter that percentage. So you can look at it so many different ways in terms of Bobby's percent. Bobby's a good shooter, and he's going to shoot the ball well here. He's going to be an extremely confident player here. Not only does he know he's going to be able to shoot the ball here, and we need him to be aggressive on offense, he is going to help Brandon, R.J. Felton, and other guys get great looks. So really confident and excited about his ability to score. I know maybe that wasn't on full display his first couple years, but he is a true point guard that can score and can get easy baskets for other guys because of the way he can push the ball, the way he can get in the paint and create. And you know, Stephen, as much as anything, I think he's going to be an elite defender. I think he's somebody that's really going to be able to disrupt the ball, which is important to our system. Cam Hayes, another guy who can really defend on the perimeter, also can play you know, on the ball, off the ball, do a little bit of everything. So uh, take us through the recruiting process of Cam Hayes, played at NC State. I know you guys maybe wanted him last go-around, but you get him this time. Yeah, Cam Hayes, this is really a, a unique story, and I, I, feel like, I feel like I've known Cam Hayes for years, which is really interesting. Uh, I was recruiting a player when I was assistant at Tennessee named Josiah James, and I was recruiting him, and he was maybe a junior uh, for an AU team, and he played off the circuit. He didn't play on the shoe circuit. So he it was a small gym in Spartanburg, and it wasn't many coaches. I was watching Josiah one evening, and someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, there's the next great point guard in North Carolina, and he pointed to Cam Hayes. And Cam Hayes was playing the game, and Cam was just a freshman at the time. He was young. And so I saw Cam play that day. Fast forward a couple of years, we're recruiting him at Tennessee. You know, we're recruiting. He doesn't end up working out. He goes to NC State. Fast forward a couple of years, we're here last spring. And, in fact, Cam Hayes was the very first student-athlete recruit, so to speak, that I ever met with as the head coach at ECU. The first day that it opened up where you could have contact last year, after I'd been here, we went down and met uh, Coach Morton, and I met with Cam Hayes. And so, and we really did want him to come last year. I mean, we were very active, and it just didn't work out, and he went to LSU. And, you know, just, uh, I guess, third time's a charm. But very excited about Cam. He's a great, you know, the, the character piece of all these guys, if you came in our practice facility, you'd see the first word uh, up on the wall is character. And when I think about Bobby Pettiford, Jr., I think about Cam Hayes, the two that we've spoken about so far. Just such high-character guys, guys that you want around your team. They're going to uplift your team. They're going to put their arms around guys, whether they're an incoming, you know, new guy or they just, that's how they are. That's their personality. Great families. They've both been very well coached in high school and coming from programs of getting really well coached in terms of 
college. So really excited about both guys. I tell you, Stephen, one of the things that we're excited about can both play off ball screens. They can both play off ball screens. They can both make reads off ball screens, shooting, passing. And I think, as you know, you watch our offense, we're a heavy ball screen team. Cam Hayes, second-time transferring, so I believe he may need a waiver. What's kind of the thought process there? Any idea if he'll get get one or not? Just an unknown. Yeah. Honestly, that's an unknown entity right now. Don't know it. Uh, we did speak about it, though, when he came with that, hey, you just don't know what's going to happen. So there's that process where you could play right away, and there's also the potential that, you know, like second-time transfers have before have sat out. So we don't know, but the great thing about Cam and his family is that there's no false, uh, really, you know, what's supposed to happen. They, there's, there's, they say, hey, whatever happens is supposed to happen, and they're good with both, and obviously we, you know, we're hopeful that he'll be able to play. Any, any time line on that, or is it just you just don't know? You just don't know. I think these, I think there's so much stuff going on. I don't have the, the necessary direct knowledge about it. I think these processes do take a while, to be honest, from my, right. you know, limited experience with them. You know, two-time transfers with the transfer portal and immediate eligibility. This is all a new thing or just over the last couple of years. So I think that's a little bit, uh, you know, a little down the line. Uh, Kaysen on on YouTube, he has a question about just kind of the, the, the potential that you guys could be guard heavy with, you know, Bobby and Cam if he's eligible to play right away. And, and also RJ, you know, kind of determining how to, to get those guys on the court at the same time. And also Jaden, you know, does he move to more of a, you know, wing type role potentially, uh, you know, if Cam plays, uh, if Bobby plays, if you have, you know, Caleb account, obviously another point guard as well. Well, uh, this is what I would say to that, that my philosophy on offense is, and I think people have watched us play, and it was really good to us late in the season, is we rebound the basketball and we go. So uh, we, the ball doesn't have to be in the point guard's hands every time in transition. So if you take that one step back, defense is really where we want to be able to build the foundation of our program, which means we're getting stops hopefully creating turnovers, but we're getting stops and rebounding the ball. We were a pretty solid rebounding team this year for really being undersized. We ended up leading the conference in offensive rebounding, and you know we want our defensive rebound even to get to the next level, obviously. But point being is this. We will have no problem playing three guards on the court at the same time, and we think that's going to make us more dynamic on offense because it's the ability to play in transition. We really want to play in transition. We were at our best. When we were in transition, Jaden Walker, in fact, is probably a better transition point guard than he is a half-court point guard. So whether you have Bobby, RJ, Cam, Jaden all on the floor at the same time, or some combination of that, or Quentin or Caleb, you can have two to three point guards on the court at any time. And honestly, some of the best teams, and where I came from at Tennessee, the year that we won the SEC championship, had Zakai Ziegler and Kennedy Chandler on the court at the same time. So we're actually really looking forward to having that ability. We saw what it felt like right after Javon went down when Caleb was still trying to figure it out. Jaden was still trying to figure it out at that position. We saw what it felt like when you don't have enough point guards in ball handling. And we are just hopeful that it will be the opposite this year. And a few freshmen you guys signed as well. And the, the more people I talk to, the more have positive things to say about Takori Faison. And um, I know y'all feel like y'all maybe got a steal there. You know, you talk about high school recruiting. Maybe he gets overlooked out of Goldsboro. So what do you like out of Takori? Well, he's just he's a college ready athlete. 
college-ready body right now, that and it's just natural. I don't think he's had the uh, the luxury or the resources just to really be in a weight room and work the way he's going to when he gets here on June 4th. Um, so as a basketball player, just his physicality, his athleticism is really about as high as anyone on the team, you know, and, and you can't imagine a freshman having more of that no matter what level. Um, the other thing that, that people don't realize, he can really shoot the basketball. Uh, he can really shoot the ball. Now, how that translates and how that translates to him early in his career, obviously that's yet to be seen. But he can really shoot the basketball, and it's really a natural touch that he has. Um, I think going through our player development program, being able to put those reps in and put the time in and having access to our practice facility is only going to enhance that. But naturally, he can shoot the ball better than I think a lot of people realize. And to Corey is just He's an unbelievable kid. He's just, he's a quiet, humble, uh, he's a really simple, you know, just a simple guy that is excited about his opportunity to be here at ECU, and that goes a long way. It isn't just what the basketball piece is, but TK is somebody that is fired up to be here. Uh, he's been on campus a few times since he committed. He actually just did his official visit a couple weeks ago, and Takori is going to, you know, really be a fan favorite here, uh, and we're excited about him. Yeah, Eastern North Carolina kid staying home. You always love to see that. So it's so a great job by the staff uh, and you guys doing that. And then two big guys. Uh, one, another guy from in-state, Callum Richard, coming in as a signee, and also Sierra Malanga out of Kentucky. Can you walk us through the scouting report on those two bigs? Yeah, it, both legitimate size. I would say both uh, between 6'10 and 6'11, uh, right in that 230 mark. You know, I haven't, we saw Callum a little bit more recent than we saw Sear, but basically you've got to have two incoming true centers that are coming in with different games. Uh, Sear right now is a little bit more uh, athletic, a little bit more defensive and rebounding oriented. Um, play above the rim, maybe more of an airspace guy. And then you have Callum that is also really good on defense, a little bit more skill back to the basket. That's where he has been able to create some separation in his high school career and why his recruiting where it was as opposed to Sears where his was. I mean, Sears had really high recruitment. Callum had really strong recruitment. Callum probably a little bit more skilled. Sears a little bit more maybe athletic above the rim, airspace and defensive presence-wise. But I'll say this about both guys that, you know, I had seen Sear quite a few years ago. I had watched Sear play. And Sear is just scratching the surface of what he's going to be capable of. A lot of it is going to be his development on offense and his development in the skill back to the basket. Callum, I watched Callum last summer. And it was our first summer out as a coaching staff. You know, Jake Morton, Nick Matson, Riley Davis, and I, we all watched him very closely because we knew about him. And we loved him. But we didn't have a real grasp of what we had here. We had just got here. We were going into the summer. The guys had not got on campus yet. And so now when you're trying to evaluate, okay, I hadn't had a chance to coach Luigi DeVoe. I hadn't had a chance to coach Ezra yet. You just don't have, you don't know what, you, so we didn't go fully in last summer the way that in retrospect I would have. But things work out. He was recruited. He ended up signing at ETSU for someone I have great respect for, Desmond Oliver, who I worked with at uh, Tennessee, and he's a great evaluator of talent, and they were very, very excited about him. And all year, we knew, but he signed early. So in November, his recruitment kind of shut down because he signed, and when it happened to reopen, we were very active getting involved as quick as we could. 
So five incoming scholarship guys along with the returners, and we'll talk more about the returning roster. Also get to your questions on social media on the other side. Let's get our second break in. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We'll be right back. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into the program. Visiting in studio with Mike Schwartz. We've already covered a lot. Uh, this will be archived on podcasts, also YouTube and Facebook, so check it out if you've missed any. But we'll get to uh, more of your questions on social media here in a little bit. Uh, but, Coach, we, we've been talking about the returners. One guy, you know, we really need to highlight, Brandon Johnson, just because of the way he grew, and I remember one of the first times I spoke to you last offseason, you were like, we need Brandon to shoot the ball, and he shot the ball quite well. So just talk about his development and how key he is to your your plan going forward. Yeah, Brent Brandon's so instrumental to our team in so many different ways. His versatility is, I mean, you think about Brandon, we, the amount of minutes that he played, the rebounding he did, we asked him to score in the paint, defend the other team's post player, and then also score the way he scored and keep the floor spaced the way he did as one of our best three-point shooters. And just so pr- proud of Brandon. He really is a leader on this team. He stands for everything that we want in terms of always puts the team first. I mean, you know, Brandon's a quiet guy. He's not. He's always putting the team first. And I think about the way Brandon worked last summer preseason it showed during the year I mean he he was three for 14 from three his freshman year in his first game against Mercer he hit three threes this year and we talked about it you and I actually they said Brandon's going to surprise people how he shoots the ball we could see it and the way he worked this spring just so proud every morning he did it all year even throughout the year but seven seven thirty in the morning all season long but this spring he even took it to another level and the kind of spring that Brandon had he's setting himself up for a great summer and the opportunity for his game to continue to grow away from the basket even more uh, offensively and defensively. And we need Brandon to be another uh, real leader for us next year. But just really proud of Brandon. Yeah, another big-time returner and one of your top scorers. So definitely looking forward to seeing what Brandon can do as he continues his development. All right, let's get into some of these questions, Coach. Uh, uh, scheduling questions are the favorite uh, from the fan base. Um, I believe, so UNCW and South Carolina, they're coming back next year, right? For, yes, for home they will games be here Minges. in Minges, yes. Any other, um, I, I think I've seen y'all tied to maybe a NTE somewhere um, as well. Is that still ongoing or still in the process? Any other nuggets you can share? Yes, yeah, scheduling, so, so I wish we could just talk about everything, right. to be honest, because there's so much on the table right now. And at this time last year, we had one game scheduled. It was that Old Dominion game that was from the previous uh, previous contract. Yeah. You know, at this point this year, we know we're playing South Carolina this year in Minji's. We know we're playing Wilmington in Minji's. We're going into next year. We're going to Columbia, and Wilmington will be coming into Minji's for a second year in a row. So we know for two years we have games on the docket. And there are, to be quite honest, there's probably a half a dozen games that we could go back to the office right now and maybe if the contract signed, we could talk about it. But you really can't just until that stuff is final. Uh, as far as the MTEs and these tournaments go, there's three that we are potentially. There's, there's a couple different scenarios. We're also looking at playing in a high-level neutral site game against hopefully a Power 5 opponent, whether an ACC opponent, SEC opponent, in a neutral site, kind of like we did last year in Greenville with South Carolina, but it would be something different. It's just what happened is, as we started this conversation before, the portal closes 1159 last uh, Thursday. And 
what everybody does is they want to see what rosters look like. So it's hard to make great strides in scheduling prior to the portal closing. Nick Matson handles our scheduling, and I tell you, he's the best in the country. I lo- I, our whole staff, Jake Morton, Riley Davis, and Nick Matson, and what they do for our program, and Jesse Higdon, who we've talked about, but what Nick has done with scheduling to have us in a position where maybe in the next two to three weeks we can have the whole schedule complete, even though you couldn't really get a lot of stuff signed prior. People, We want to see who other teams have. Right. Other teams are a little bit hesitant to sign up for not just us, but anybody, because they say, well, what's the roster going to look like? Now, it can still change, but when you look at a roster and you say, well, they have 13 scholarship guys, you know likelihood is they're not going to be adding. Last year when we signed to play Coppin State, a few weeks after we signed, Sam Sessoms, the leading scorer in the nation, signed with them, transferring from Penn State. But when we signed the contract to play, we had no idea he was right. there. So we, it is a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle as you get to this time of year, but definitely South Carolina, definitely Wilmington coming into Minji's. We have an A-10, an Atlantic 10 home-and-home series that we're starting this year. We're going to start on the road. So there will be another Atlantic 10 team come into Minji's next year. And we're just going to continue to build a, a strong non-conference schedule. And that, that kind of goes in line with this next question from um, Chess Pirate on the Hoisty Colors. He says, interest in continuing home-and-home series with, like, ODU, and he mentions A-10 schools like Richmond, VCU, George Mason, and also JMU. Like, is that, you know, up your alley in terms of could you potentially see one of those teams? Uh, what was the name of this so, gentleman? Uh, his, his username is Chess Pirate. His real name is Dave, I believe. Well, Dave, Dave, you just mentioned four schools, and one of the four he just said is one is that A10 team. So there you that, go. There you go. So now, and and really, JMU is not an A10 team. So now you know you're one of three. There <laughs> so you go. We have one that we're going to get going with one of those, and uh, so that's we're excited about that. You know, the ODU series, I think, it's a great series. So much respect for their program and their coaching staff. It's you just there's a lot of things you have to fit right. in that. You know, the availability of gym, dates, you know, obviously we have the women's schedule. You know, you have Saturday football games at home, and really, you know, we can't host a game on a Saturday at home. So there are a few different things that you got to plug together. Right. Uh, right now there's nothing on the docket that we have with ODU, but we are going to get that Atlantic 10 series started, and we're really excited about it. I think it's going to be great for both fan bases. Um, and I, that neutral game and that MTE, I think, are going to be very exciting for our program as well. Uh, Berg Pirate says, uh, what are the, quote, daily vitamin workouts the players have mentioned? So, yeah, I just talked to one of the recruits y'all committed, and he kind of mentioned one of the things that interested him the most was the daily vitamins program that y'all kind of talked about as far as development. Well, you know, really what this is is something that I learned from Coach Barnes, and it goes back to when I was a player for him. And, and I said this last year, uh, I said this even in my very early when I became the head coach here, was that the backbone, the foundation of our program is going to be based on player development. On and off court, but pertaining to this uh, is the on-court player development. Uh, our coaches spend a lot of time, I just, again, I go back with talk about Riley Davis and Nick Matson and Jake Morton and our whole staff. We have a player development staff as well. Just the amount of time that our coaching staff spends with our players watching film on the court with them, and we incorporate it as part of our routine. So it is outside of practice, but this is where our guys have an opportunity to be on the court or in the film room uh, 
working with coaches on getting better. And it's something that when we talk about a daily vitamin, I think we would all say if you took a vitamin three days a week, you're just not going to get the same effect. If you took it for two months out of the year and then you stop for two months, you're just not going to get the same effect. So just the, the mindset of that daily vitamin is it's an everyday thing. And then as you do it, you start to see results and hopefully, you know, you get you get better. And that's what we thought happened with our guys. Um, it's something that uh, we do throughout the year, in season, out of season. It'll start again this summer, and it's something we take great pride in and our guys do. And that's that's the most important part is that our guys really take pride in it. All right, let's get our final break in, and we'll come back, uh, get to more of your questions, wrap up the show as we continue on with Mike Schwartz on Hoist the Colors. We'll be right back. Exceptions may apply. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome back into the program. Final segment. This has been a ton of fun with Coach Schwartz. We're rolling through your questions. And uh, one on social media, Coach, from Twitter, the Minji's Maniacs, they want to know your honest opinion on them. So what is your take on the ECU student section? Love it. I love it. I tell you, from the first game, Mercer, all the way to our last home game where we had uh, Tulane in there, I believe, was our last home game. Uh, incredible. I mean, just every single game, the students brought it. The Minji's Maniacs brought it. I love being able to connect with them on my way out of the building, especially after a win. It wasn't quite as fun, obviously, when we weren't able to win. But uh, I just think that Minji's Coliseum or Arena, it just has the ability to be one of these really, really environments that is very difficult to play in. Uh, And I think they're a huge piece of it. And, and the, quite honest, I think the best part is is that every time when an opponent comes in, that they make their life miserable. They make their life miserable from the time they walk on the court in warm-ups, during the game, and, you know, even on their way out of the building. I'm okay with that, too. But I thought they did that, and I loved it. It, it was fantastic atmosphere, and they were a big part of it. The best part about Minji's is, you know, the low roof, and the students are right on top of you, and it only really takes – we were talking after the Houston game. It doesn't have to be at max capacity, and you're, you're like, hey, we need fans to show up to watch the Pirates, not just watch Houston, which was ranked number one at the time. But that game – kind of shows what Minji's can be at its peak. Oh, absolutely. And there were several games like that where it felt yeah. like that. I mean, that Cincinnati game at home was, was really a great atmosphere in there and obviously just honoring and respect for Jeff Charles. And But I said this, that that is one of the special things about ECU is I think that Pirate Nation comes to watch the Pirates. They come to watch East Carolina. I don't think Pirate Nation looks at the schedule. I think everyone does that. I think that's natural when there's a high-level game or a high-level opponent. But that's what's so awesome about this place. That's what's so awesome about the Minji's Maniacs and the student section and all our fans that consistently I think they look and they say they want to know what the date of the game is and the time of the game is, not who the opponent is. And that's what made this place so awesome this year and i know we have we have to do our part we have a long way to go to get it where it can feel like that every night that it did versus houston and it doesn't matter if it's houston we can make that place feel like that if it's houston baptist coming in here and that's the goal because we do have that special environment an intimidating place to play when it's like that and i wish we could have put two halves together like we did in the second half of houston but we just couldn't get it going in the first half enough um but a big part of that was I know our guys, they were so amped up with that atmosphere, and they set it after. And once they settled down a little bit into it, but you know what? If we get that thing like that 15, 20 times a year, oh, they'll be used to playing it like that, and the only people that will be rattled will be the opponent. 
There's no doubt. It's I remember back in the early 2000s when I was much younger, and um, you know teams like Marquette, Louisville were rolling in, and it was a madhouse every night. Which part of it was the conference, but even when St. Louis and DePaul came in, it would be a madhouse. So it was just like, yeah, Minji's can be a special place, and I think you guys establishing the program you're, you're establishing is well on its way to to bringing that back, uh, especially coming off the year you guys have with what's returning. A few more questions. We'll get you out of here, Coach. Um, so one, one fan wanted to know, and this is an interesting question. Obviously, Team Boneyard has done an awesome job in the NIL space uh, on the donor side. He, he says, do you have any sense you know, of where ECU stands in the NIL space compared to like other teams in the American, or is that kind of hard to you know, spe- specifically point out? I think it's a great question. It's the kind of question, believe yeah. me, that coaches would kind of right. figure out all the time. Um, but it, it, it's very hard to know the, the concrete answer to that. It's just so difficult um, with this very loose regulations of NIL in terms of just there's nothing form-fitting right. to how it works in terms of with the school, the NCAA. The, it's just very it's just hard to determine what is reality and what isn't. I know this from Team Boneyard perspective, we are so appreciative of what they do and all of the supporters of NIL for our student-athletes, not only for men's basketball, but for all the ECU student-athletes. We're so appreciative of it because it's such a big deal, and it really is prevalent right now in recruiting and retention. And what I mean by from recruiting is recruits are paying attention to what the collectives and to what current student-athletes, what contracts they have earned or have the ability to earn as current student-athletes as they're looking around at where they want to go to school. So we're just very appreciative, again, of, of Team Boneyard, anyone that supports our you know, the NIL for ECU. Last question for you. Got about a minute left. Just your thoughts on, you know, what are the real keys for this team to take the next step in your opinion with what's coming back, what's uh, being introduced this summer? What what is the next step for ECU basketball? I think that the two things that just jump out on the table for me right now are our last two games of the year were our best two defensive games of the season. Now, we had some other good games in between, but we were not nearly as consistent as I know we need to be defensively to be a team where we can have hopefully the season that I believe we can have and that we are you know working towards so defensively we need to be more consistent and we need to build on what we did at the end of the season defensively and that's going to be an area that's going to start right when they get on campus on June 4th understanding that because again no different than last year's goal we want to be the best defensive team in this conference and if you're the best defensive team in this conference you're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the nation so we got to build towards that uh big piece of that becomes defensive rebounding so that's going to be an area that we're going to need not only Brandon to continue doing what he's doing Ezra at one point was averaging 3 rebounds a game last year and we had a real heart to heart talk midway through conference play. He finishes the season with a 19-rebound performance versus Houston. So Ezra understood late in the year how important defensive rebounding was. So between Brandon and Ezra and our guards rebounding, and then that leads us in probably into the last area that is, you know, people will say, is this a question mark of this team? What does the post-play look like with two younger freshmen, with Sir Malanga and Callum Richard? And those two guys are going to have to, along with the other players doing their part, we're going to need to, those guys to develop quickly. But last year when Ezra was a freshman, people said he's young, and Ezra had some nice moments as a freshman. We're expecting our freshmen this year to come in and compete as well. 
Coach, this was awesome. We appreciate it, man. Uh, we went almost a full hour, so thanks for your time. I know you're busy. We at least got you after the portal closed, so, uh, but we appreciate everything uh, on today's program. No, I appreciate you a bunch. This is awesome. This is a great setup here, and thank you for having me, Steve. That's Mike Schwartz. Tomorrow we'll have Kim McNeil in the studio. We're talking women's basketball, uh, so join us for that. This has been a lot of fun. You've been listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.